Our scripture this lesson on this morning is selected from verses from the book of Exodus. Hear the word of God. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning to you again. This is week number two of our series on understanding the Bible. I want to remind you that these sermons are being collected on our website and in a podcast so that you can keep track of them uh, one week after the next and as we skip some weeks in between. And that each week over the summer you can join us on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 here at church if you wish to go deeper with these studies. Today... And admittedly, quickly and simply, I will tell the story of the book of Exodus, of the Exodus, of the departure of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt and into the Promised Land. Parts of this story are going to be familiar to some of you. You'll hear about crossing the Red Sea, wandering in the wilderness, manna from heaven and water from a rock. You'll hear about commandments given by God on Mount Sinai and a golden calf made down in a valley. What may be different is that this time around the story will be told in the context of the theme we began with last week. The Bible is a story of a covenant that is made and a breaking of that covenant and a repair of that covenant toward a new creation, a new covenant 
I hope you will begin to see how these individual stories you may have heard ever since childhood Sunday school fit into this larger story. So as we begin, I invite you this morning to imagine yourself on the shores of the Red Sea. You're on the shores of the Red Sea. You are on the good side, looking back at the Egypt you have departed. The memories are palpable of a regime that has oppressed you and your people throughout your life. All of the stories that you have heard from your parents and your grandparents and their parents and grandparents. Every day, you were a slave, a commodity owned by Egypt, good only for the production of bricks. They tried to erase your people's history They killed your children. But even though the Egyptians were merciless in their oppression, there were some who resisted. A newborn named Moses, smuggled to safety at birth, grew up in the royal palace, and as an adult, he fled the country when he discovered his real identity as one of the Hebrews. He returned praising the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and promising that the Lord was about to deliver his people from slavery. You, one of those people, had been slaves so long that you laughed at him. How would this unknown shepherd and this God you had forgotten about long ago, how would they deliver you from the power of Pharaoh? But Moses did it. He led you through the waters of the sea to freedom. And when the murderous Egyptian army pursued you, the waters of the sea came crashing down, and you and your people were saved. So there you stood. Tens of thousands of you, maybe more, on the shores of the sea with those tragic memories behind you on the other side of the water and the future ahead. And it was in that moment that Moses' own sister, Miriam, picked up her tambourine and began to sing. And people joined in a few at a time, and then more and more and more, until the singing was louder than you could ever have imagined. Sing to the Lord, you sang. For he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. It is one of the oldest passages of the Bible recorded in writing. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. It is one of the very oldest passages of the Bible that was committed to writing. Most of the stories of the Bible began in oral tradition. People told them one to another, and the tradition grew that way. Stories passed down from one generation to the next. But on that day on the seashore, someone heard the song and thought, that's our story. And someone has got to write this down. We've got to make sure that our children hear it and our children's children. And we have to make sure that they never forget that this is where we came from. 
So it was written down on tablets and papyrus and cave dwellings. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. It is the story of the beginning of a covenant. A covenant with God. Oppression is horrible. Bondage is horrible. And freedom, freedom has its challenges too. And the stories of the Exodus make those challenges known. They tell that story. When the Hebrews turn from the shores of the Red Sea and they head for the land that is before them on the other side, they at first find not a land flowing with milk and honey. They find the wilderness of Shur. They will wander there for 40 years, but it takes them only two verses, two verses of Scripture to start to complain and to ask Moses to take them back to Egypt. Exodus 16, verse 3, the Israelites complained against Moses, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. So the Lord gives them bread. Bread from heaven. The Lord hears their cry. He gives them bread from heaven called manna. There is enough for each day, and God gives them an instruction for this new way of life. One instruction, one simple instruction. God says, only take of the manna what you and your family need for each day. Tomorrow there will be more. Do not take on any day more than your share. And the manna falls from heaven each day. And this is the one instruction. But the people get anxious and worried that they will not have enough. And they disobey. So they gather more than their share. And they store up extra in their tents. And then it rots. Just as God said that it would. Another story later on. The Lord summons Moses up to the top of Mount Sinai and makes a covenant through Moses with the people. The covenant includes what we know as the Ten Commandments and a grand total of 613 other instructions that make up not only Exodus but Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, these books of the Bible. These instructions often look to you and to me like arbitrary rules. But that is not the broader sense in which the law is intended. God begins by reminding Moses, I am the God of your ancestors, the God who delivered you from Egypt. And after God has made that clear, God begins giving the instruction, which is characterized, characterized by a Hebrew word, halakha. We sometimes translate it law. It means the way. The way. These instructions are a way of life. 
And just like the previous story about manna, about only taking as much food as you need for the day so that there will be enough for everybody, many of the rules are meant to help the people live together in ways that prevent oppression and promote generosity and protect the most vulnerable. Often in these books of the law, we hear this refrain that these rules are to protect the alien and the orphan and the widow. This law, this new way of life, this is a gift. But while Moses is up on the mountain, even though it is only a few days, the people become impatient and they imagine that Moses and the Lord have abandoned them. So they melt down their precious heirlooms and they make a God of their own. They make a golden calf to worship. Why do they do this? For no better reason than they look around at other communities and they see that this is what other people seem to be doing. When God sees this, God understandably becomes angry and frustrated and suggests giving up on the whole covenant. And Moses appeals to God's compassion in Exodus 32, and God is persuaded to work again for repair with the people, to renew the covenant. God agrees to try again with these impatient people who keep on wanting to return to slavery instead of wanting to live in freedom. Creation, covenant, brokenness, repair toward a new creation. Creation, covenant, brokenness of that covenant, repair of the covenant toward a new creation. This is the story of the Bible. We can see how difficult it was for the Hebrews to walk away from Egypt. Awful as Egypt was, it was what they knew. It was familiar to them. It was their whole life. It was difficult for them to imagine walking away from that and to embrace a life with God, which was unknown to them. It was full of wonderful promises and freedom, but it was unknown, so it was frightening, and they kept trying to go back to what they knew. Remember some of the details of the story. They asked to go back to eating the scraps from Pharaoh's table instead of the manna that came from heaven. They melted down their possessions and made a golden calf so that they would have something to worship, impatient that Moses would not come back from the mountain again. They feared that their wilderness wanderings would never lead to the promised land. These were big leaps for a people who had known nothing but making bricks. From the human perspective, you can see that this is a story about how hard it is to walk away from the empires in our own lives into the freedom God calls us to. And from God's perspective, you can see the amazing patience, forgiveness, and love that come with working again and again for repair nudging us again and again toward a life with God, not a life back in the empire of Egypt. 
this patient way that God receives us over and over again. This is what we refer to as grace. This story is so powerful and so compelling, it is the one we have looked to most often as inspiration for the American story, the story of our country. Bruce Feiler, in his book, American Prophet, catalogs the inspirational people in our nation's history who have called upon Moses and upon this story as their ancestor. Christopher Columbus, George Whitfield, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Harriet Tubman, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama, what do they all share in common? They've all told the story of Moses. This doesn't even scratch the surface of the number of ways this story has been used in our history. It's a story of a journey to freedom out of a land of oppression. It is the story we want to claim as our own. And on this 4th of July weekend, it is well worth knowing that it is not a story of perfection. It is a story that holds brokenness together with hope. God does the work and leads us toward places we often do not know how to enter. It is a story about grace, about where we have been so that we can pray to be better people in the future. And in any time when we celebrate the heroism and the history that is a part of our country, we can do that as faithful people celebrating also the truth of brokenness and the desire to be better in the future, to do a more full and complete job of following the God who has called us. This is our story. The story of the Hebrews leaving Egypt is also a compelling story in our personal lives. We all participate in patterns of living that we know are not healthy for ourselves or our neighbors. These are ways that we all live in Egypts of our own. And we find it incredibly difficult to break free of those patterns and to imagine another kind of life for ourselves, life with God. Our patterns of slavery are different and they are so much a part of our lives that they are often invisible to us. These patterns are ways that we place our trust in the wrong things, just like the Hebrews did. And these patterns steal life from us a little bit at a time. Some examples. We keep on demanding more and more consumer goods, more than we need. Even though the means of production are inhumane to people and harmful to our planet. We choose too much drink or drugs or food over the health of our bodies and good relationships with the people we love. We choose endless hours of work and professional ambition over Sabbath rest 
and time with God and family and friends. We place our dearest hopes in a political win for our side rather than understanding that the Lord of the world is the God who delivered us from Egypt long ago and ever since has been wanting to govern our lives. And the list goes on and on and on. In the face of all of these things, grace is found. Grace in God's relentless pursuit of repair. Because we see God's refusal to give up on the Hebrews as they try to leave Egypt and because we see this repair happening over and over again in the stories of the Old and New Testaments, the stories we'll tell in the next several weeks, we can believe that God has not lost hope for us, for you and for me. Covenant, brokenness, repair of the covenant. Creation, brokenness, repair for a new creation. We see it in Exodus. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it woven into the ways we tell the story of our country because of the people we hope to be. We see it in the choices of our everyday lives. Even in the midst of feeling stuck in Egypt, even when God welcomes us to a different life of freedom, we find it hard to embrace God's gifts, but God keeps trying to work for repair. God keeps inviting us back. The Lord says, I am the God who delivered you from slavery. Come and follow me. And this is our story.